Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. open your Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, uh, and then to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. And I'd like for us to read this all together this morning. In fact, I know that you all just got comfortable. You just sat down and cozied in, but would you all stand to your feet just for one moment? And I want us to read these while we're standing on our feet this morning. And let's, let's give some honor to these two scriptures. I know we can honor sitting down, but I just wanted to do it this morning, standing up. And can you say it over your own life today? Let's say it all together. Look at the screens and let's say it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. Let's read this together. If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would open every one of our spiritual eyes. There's not one person in this room, young or old, Uh, new to Jesus or have been a believer for many years. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would reveal your word and your purpose and your plan to all of us today as we open your word in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. Can you be seated today? I remember it was almost six years ago that Tiffany and I and our family pulled up into town. We didn't know one person in Memphis except the Lord, because he lives here. And, uh, and I remember feeling really vulnerable, because we were in a brand new place, new land, but not only with not knowing people, but not knowing the South, the South. It's different than the, uh, the, 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 the Southwest, right? Or it's different than over there. And I remember <laughs> something funny I was thinking about this week, <clears throat> that we got into our house and we were putting stuff in. And we, I remember waking up early in the morning and Tiffany would go, man, there's a baby crying. Remember that? <laughs> there's a baby crying, screaming across the street. And I, you know, is something okay, something wrong? I'm <laughs> thinking, I don't know. And I'd listen and I'd say, oh, I don't know what that, well, okay, Lord, whatever's going on. You know, we don't want to walk in and start knocking on doors, but we just pray for that baby. Well, then the next day we'd hear it, and then midday we'd hear it, and we thought maybe the baby, I'd say maybe the baby has colic or something, you know, like has uh, something going on on the inside, so we'd, we'd hear that baby crying. But I mean, it wasn't it for two weeks, three weeks, we'd hear that baby, and then I'm thinking, man, is there some abuse going on? I mean, should there, what, you know, I'm not one to like call on my new neighbors or anybody or anything, but I didn't know what was going on. And then it was, it happened for about a month or so and we didn't know what was going on. And then after about a month or so, we didn't hear that anymore. And so I remember thinking, well, 
I said, Tiffany, have you heard that baby crying? We hadn't heard that baby crying. Well, then we got to meet our neighbors, and we said, hey, um, I noticed your baby was crying. Oh, that wasn't our baby. That was our goat. <laughs> I had no idea. I hadn't even thought about a goat, you know. But their goat was, and I thought, we thought it was a baby. We were praying over that baby, interceding over that baby, fasting a little bit over that baby, you know, wanting to make sure everything was okay. It was a goat. So, I mean, I got to realize, and there's some things in the South that I just wasn't used to. Somebody know what I mean. Or like the word, you know, when someone says, bless your heart. I say, isn't that a sweet person? And they say, you don't know what they mean? I said, you know what they mean. They just blessed my heart. Bless my heart doesn't always mean bless my heart. <laughs> Somebody know what I mean? Yeah, bless your heart. There we go, Tim. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But there's something about you come into something new and you don't, you got to learn it. You have to understand it. You have to get to know it a little bit. Do you know that's how it is in seeing your life in Jesus? That if you've been living your life on your own and in the flesh and just how you see yourself based on what people think or or based on where you are in life, it's, it may be hard for you to come and walk in Jesus and see yourself in a whole different place. But in Galatians chapter 20, 220 here, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in, in me. In other words, whatever your history is, good or bad, whatever your life was like or used to be like, that's not you anymore. I talked about last week, whatever you identify as, People want to identify as this and that and, you know, he, she, they, um, us, whatever. They want to identify it. And they say, how do you identify? Here's the reality. Sometimes people try to identify based on their passions. And I just say, whatever your passions are, whatever you identify as, it's been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live I live by faith in the Son of God, or the life that I now live, I live through Jesus Christ. So everything that I do, every decision that I make, I make through Jesus. In fact, let me just tell you, when he says he's your Savior and your Lord, your Lord means your master or controller, and you say, of how much of my life, Lord? Of all of it. He just assumes he is. So sometimes when we're making decisions and the Lord's like, oh, you're making that decision now? Or you're making that thing based on, well, it was what I wanted to do. It was what I, oh, I thought that part of you has been crucified. In fact, the part of us that's, that's difficult in our lives, living for Jesus, is probably the part that hasn't been surrendered. It's probably the part that we're fighting and we haven't crucified or considered it as something that, that is before that's something that's old and been dead. So he says, I've been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And then it says, if then you were raised with Christ in Colossians 3, seek the things which are above, set your mind on things that are above for your life. What is he talking about? Your new life. Somebody say my new life. My new life is hidden with Christ in God. So you see so many people saying, I'm just trying to find my life. I'm trying to discover my life. I'm going to go away to some island or I'm going to go on some sabbatical or I'm going to go on some and I'm going to try to find me. I want to find me. Isn't that popular today? I'm going to find me. I got these three books and they're going to help me find me. Let me tell you, the Bible says your life is hidden with Christ. If you're trying to find you in a different place than in Jesus, you won't find you. I said, if you're trying to find you in a different place than Jesus, you won't find you. Because if you've given your life to Jesus, 
Your life is now in Christ. So you have to go to Christ, the one who created you and redeemed you in order to find new life now. Somebody say amen. So we started last week with this message, finding your life, and I just didn't get to all the points, but, uh, but the main thing that I want you to know today is that you can't find your life unless you find your life in Jesus. Let me say it again. You can't find your life unless you find your life, unless you're looking in Jesus. Last week, uh, point number one was this, that we discover our person, or when we find our life in Christ, three things happen. And you can take notes, and you, even if you wrote down these three words with some scriptures, when you find your life in Christ, three things happen. Number one, you discover your person, your identity. Society has the fascination of our identity, political identity, sexual identity, type of work, social status, color, skin color, uh, culture, education, hobbies, sports teams, and such. But as believers, our identity is what? Followers of Christ. Somebody just say it today, would you? I'm a follower of Christ. Someone say, how do you identify as a follower of Christ? My new life is in Christ Jesus. So whatever's in Christ Jesus, that's me. That's who I am. That's my new identity. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And we read the scripture last week that Paul, who was a very, very accomplished person in every way, shape, or form in society, Paul said in Philippians 3, uh, verse 4, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. And he said this, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as trash or rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. He's saying, I found my new life in Christ. If Paul had to do it, then I know that we have to do it. And he says, that's where, our, as believers, that's where we find our life is in Christ Jesus. One more verse that, let me tell you about that. And that's, you know, remember where the Bible says, put on the new man. Yes. Well, what is the new man? The new man is the new person that you walk in. What is the old man? It's the part that's been crucified, right? So he says, put on the new man. In fact, in Ephesians 4.24, let me just read it to you. It says, put on the new man which was created according to God. Somebody say, according to God. How does the new man look? Like God. How does the new man walk? The way that God would walk. It would, it would look a lot like Jesus, right? How Jesus would walk. So what did he say? Put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and uh, holiness, in true righteousness and holiness. The new man is who we identify with. The new man is who you really are. In fact, in uh, John chapter eight, verse 32, remember Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. What truth is that? It's the truth of who you really are. It's the truth of the new man. You may say, oh, I'm such a loser. I'm such a sinner. I, I always fall in this area. I've confessed this thing over and over. I never can get on top. I'm a screw up. I'm a reject. I'm a this, or I'm good at this, but I'm not good at this. But that's not looking at yourself in Christ because Christ is not a loser. You say, you could say, I used to be a loser. I used to be a reject. I used to be an idiot. I used to be a pervert. I didn't used to be a pervert, but I'm saying. <laughs> but whatever you identify as, you could say, I used to be that, but now the new man in Christ Jesus, I am. Somebody say, I am. I am. The righteousness of God in Christ. Say, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a believer. If God be for me, who can be against me? Somebody says, what is this, positive confession? Yes. But it's not your positive confession. It's confessing who Jesus has made you. 
how he's redeemed you, how he's, what he's called you to walk in. You're confessing that, you're taking, you're, you're, it's like you going from one team to the other team. You don't keep wearing the old team's uniform. Bring in your uniform. I like this uniform. I like number 20. I like number 20 on this and I, and I want to wear this uniform. Well, you don't even belong to that team anymore. But we identify with the old because it, we, it was in us and it was so much a part of us. And God's saying, take off the old jersey. Put on the new man who was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, he says. And he says, and if you know that truth, that truth will make you what did he say? That truth that you know will make you free. The truth that you, it's not knowing truth, it's walking in truth. It's not knowing freedom, it's walking in freedom. It's not knowing that you have an opportunity to be a new man, it's walking in the new man in Christ Jesus. That's what the Lord's called us to do. Somebody say amen today, that's me. So number one, we talked about, we talked about, uh, we discover our person. Second point is this, we discover our, somebody say position. Our person is our identity. When we see ourselves in Christ, it's who we are, it's our identity. Our position is where we stand. It's, your, it's, it's, it's where you are in the position. If you're in a company and you work for a company, you kinda know your position. You know who your boss is, you know who's under you, you know who's beside you, and you kinda know your position and you go in and you operate according to your position. In your family, you have a position. You could be a mom, you could be a dad, you could be a son, you could be a daughter, you could be uh, an aunt or an uncle, and you kind of know the position and your role and your actions are based on your position. Well, in Christ Jesus, it's important to know our position. Not only our person, but our position. And let me give you a scripture on that in Ephesians chapter two, verses verse four. It says this, but God... In fact, would you read this with me? Who is rich in mercy because of his love, great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with So where are we? Together with Christ. Listen, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you, every single person in here who's in Christ, Everything, not the person who did good this week. I'm talking about the person who's in Christ. Every person who's in Christ, spiritually, where are you seated? In heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Not next to Christ, next to God, in Christ. But we're seated in Christ Jesus. Somebody say it this morning. I am, I am. seated in heavenly places, in, heavenly. In, Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. So let me tell you, you have an advantage over the enemy. Why? Because the enemy's not and he never will be. He says here, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then it says, uh, if you just look back at the, the, the last chapter in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, he says where that is. 120 of Ephesians, it says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. He's talking about Christ, where we're seated as well, seated as well, at his right hand in heavenly places. And here's where that is. Look at verse 21. Far above, somebody, would you just read that with me? Far above all principality and power and ruler, might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet. You know what that says? Not only is Christ seated above all 
principality and power. Oh, I'm just fighting the devil. Yeah, you're seated above the devil. Oh, I'm just fighting the enemy. I don't know what to do. Stay in Christ. That's what to do. Because in Christ, you can put your feet on his head. In Christ, you have authority over the enemy. Jesus already said, all authority has been given me. That's where we're seated. We're seated at the right hand of God, far above all principalities, far above every name that's named. You can say, oh, this is fighting me or this person's fighting me. Every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the future. Not only who's coming against you now, but who will come against you. Every name that's named. And that's including disease. It's including cancer and tumors and opposition and people who criticize you and put you down and accuse you. Listen, the name of Jesus is seated above. And let me ask you, when Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, is it just his head or is it his body sitting too? Yeah, it's not just the head sitting on the throne. You could picture a head sitting on the throne next to God. No, it's the whole body. And who are you? We're part of the body. Well, I'm just a little part of the body. Even if you're the little toenail on the little foot, it's still above all principality and power and every name that's named. You still have authority in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. That's true. That's true. Dane Harvey said, the gospel brings me explosive news. My search for approval is over. In Christ, I already have all the approval that I need. In Jesus, we don't need to prove ourselves. We don't try, need to try to be secure from the enemy. C.S. Lewis said a quote that I read this week. He said, look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him, Everything else will be thrown in. If you're trying to find yourself in any place outside of the Lord, it's going to be a lost battle. And you're going to, you may get there, but you're going to be depressed or discouraged about it. We need to find ourselves in Jesus. In Jesus, we have boldness. In Jesus, we have confidence. In fact, in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 13, the disciples who hung out with Jesus, look at this. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John who hung out with Jesus, they realized that they'd been with Jesus. Because what happens when you're with the Lord? You have boldness and you have confidence. What happens when you're with the Lord? There's something, there's a pep in your step. There's something that knows even though I'm going through all this stuff in my life right now, I know that with Jesus I can get through. Even though I don't have plans and purposes and I feel like I've blown it and I've messed up, with Jesus I know that everything's gonna be okay. That's why we gotta find ourselves in the Lord. You know, uh, I grew up as the third son of three boys. And I had two competitive brothers, six years older than me and eight years older than me. And I'm telling you, I lost it just about everything. I mean, I would get in there and I would try. We would play sports. We would play video games. We would compete against one. We would bag on one another or, or like put down one another, you know, and get into arguments and get, I, don't, I didn't win an argument. I didn't win like, uh, you know, trying to shame one another. I didn't, I didn't win. I didn't win at sports with them. Anytime I was playing, I didn't win. We'd play, we'd have a basketball court outside and we'd play and man, they'd beat me up, knock me down, knock me out. Well, they eventually moved out, but I'll tell you that carried over. <laughs> that carried over. And I remember getting into when I was in my teen years, and I just didn't view myself as someone who would win in all those things. 
And I remember uh, just feeling, and I'd get into school, and I'd say, I don't really like school. I wasn't really into it much. I wasn't really into anything. I'd sit at the back of the class, and I'd, you know, just kind of hang out and just kind of, ah. Uh. But I remember when I started seeing myself in Jesus as the righteousness of God in Christ. It helped a little, because I only knew how to do it a little. But I remember one time when someone uh, noticed something about me, and they just said, hey, you're really smart. Just like that, they noticed too. <laughs> perfect cue, perfect cue. They said, you're really smart. And they said, hey, you know what? You're a leader. Later on in life, they started to say, hey, you know what? You're a leader. Hey, there's something on your life. Hey, there's something with purpose. And the more that they would say it, I began to look at myself that way. And I would say, you know what? You know, I, I, can, I can be a leader and I can uh, be someone who wins. And I can be someone who, and I begin to see myself and I go to the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, what have you called me to? What's my purpose? And I go to the Lord and I start seeing myself. And I remember making these confessions and saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not a loser. I'm above all. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I'm in Christ. And if Christ wins, then I win. I'm the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. And I developed this confidence. Listen, not pride because pride comes in being confident in you. My confidence was in the Lord to where I didn't really care what people thought. And I'm not saying that I'm all there and I don't ever have a doubt or I don't ever have a thing, but I can tell you my life changed. I started to walk with purpose. I started to be able to win at things. I started to be able to, when, I, when I'd step out and do something, my grades would go up. My, my achievements would go up. The things that I put my hand to would go up. Why? Not because I saw myself in David, because I saw myself in Jesus in Jesus. And let me tell you, you might be there. It's important that not only does it affect your person, but it's important that it affects your position and how you see yourself. If you see yourself at the bottom, if you see yourself as a victim all of your life, let me tell you, you'll walk victimized. But if you see your position as in Christ Jesus, it's different. We act the way that we see ourselves. When we find ourselves in Christ, we discover our person, our position, and then last of all, we discover our purpose. Our person, our position, and our purpose. Our purpose is why we exist. Why are we here? It's the big question a lot of people are asking. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. We are his workmanship created in Christ. Somebody say in Christ. Christ. For good works, which God's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can I tell you, you weren't created just to sit like a bump on a log. You weren't created just to sit and, and worship God, though worshiping God is an awesome thing. It's one of my favorite things to do, but that's not just what we were created to do. We were just created to worship. Yeah, but in, in the word, worship and working for the Lord and ministering for the Lord and serving the Lord are all, they just fall right in, in the same category. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to stop like Mary and Martha and Mary chose the good thing and listen to the Lord and stop and... But we're created for good works. Did you know that God created you to work for him? He created you for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, not the good works you, you come up with or that somebody else comes with, up with, but the, he's created you for good works, which he's already set you up to win. Jesus sets you up to win. He's created beforehand that we should walk in them. John 15, how do we walk in them? Jesus said to his disciples this. He said, I am the true vine 
and my father's the vine dresser. We know this, but if there's a, a true vine, there's probably an untrue, an untrue vine. If there's something that we can get locked into, it's probably because there's a lot of other things we can, not, we can get locked into that aren't really the source. He says, I am the true vine and my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let me tell you, branches exist for fruit. And he says, if you're in Jesus, but you're not bearing fruit, if you're in Jesus and you're not following the works that he's prepared beforehand that, he, that you should walk in, in him, Jesus is saying, there's something wrong. It's not just, I'm saved now, eventually I'm gonna go to heaven, but I'm living my life in between. No, Jesus is saying, I prepared a lot of, every person in here is a minister. I said, every person in here is a minister. And God assumes that he is the head of you and that he's already prepared things for you to walk in on a daily basis for you to walk as a minister. He's already laid out the course of your life. So if we don't ask him what he's called us to do, we'll miss the things and it won't be fruit. It's not just fruit is things I wanna come up with, personal goals and accomplishments. No, fruit is the things that grow from you and you are attached to Jesus. You're attached to Jesus and the fruit comes out of you. So where does all the life come from? It comes from Jesus, who you're attached to, and the fruit comes out of you, right? That's the way it works. So anything that you're not attached to Jesus in that's trying to bear fruit, it's not fruit. It's works. In other words, if you're bearing something that's not coming through Christ, then it's works and it'll be burned up one day. But anything that really counts for eternity is something that's gonna come through Christ, through you, from Christ, through you, and that's what the fruit is in your life. Does that make sense? Branches exist to produce fruit. Our purpose is fruitfulness. Would you say this, my purpose, my purpose. As, a as a branch is fruitfulness. He says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears, somebody say it with me, much fruit. Much fruit. He says, for without me, you can do how much? Without the Lord, you can't do very much. Is that what he said? Without the Lord, you can do a little bit on your own. Is that what he said? No, your new life, without the Lord, you can do nothing. Nothing. There was some branches out in front of our house, and I took this, um, I took this uh, uh, cutter, and I, uh, what, what is it called? I don't know what it is, a little saw, and I cut these, these branches off, and I put them in front, of our, uh, in front of our house for somebody to come by and take them, and I put them out, and just in about two days, they were already brown. Well, why were they already brown? Because they're not attached to the vine anymore. Yeah. Do you know that's what it's like if you walk away from the Lord for a couple days? You get withered. You get brown. You get de depressed. You get discouraged. You get like, man, I don't know what's going on. I'm just missing something. Well, the number one thing Jesus said to do is attach to the vine. You can only find your new life in Christ by staying attached to the vine. Our purpose is fruitfulness, and fruitfulness is walking in the plan of God for your life and seeing the results. I believe it's one of the big reasons why people get disappointed, why they get depressed, why they get discouraged, even after reaching your goals. 
You've reached your goals. You've reached what you were going after for years. And all of a sudden you go, I don't know why I finished anybody ever felt I don't know why I finished it. I completed it. But something that I thought I would feel like an excitement. I don't know. I almost feel discouraged about it. Let me tell you in the Lord, you don't feel that way. When you've borne fruit and something's come through the work of Jesus in you, there's fulfillment that comes. There's something on the inside of you that's been given life. He says, abide in me and I in you. Philippians chapter two, verse 13 says this. It's God who works in you. That's what the vine does. It's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Not for your good pleasure. For his good pleasure. Oh, that brought me a lot of contentment and fulfillment. That's, that's great. And I believe that when you're fruitful, it will bring you fulfillment and contentment. But I'll tell you where we should be looking is, Lord, do you have contentment and fulfillment in that work? Right? That's Because that's what the fruit is. When you get real fruit, it'll bring fulfillment to the Father and fulfillment to you. But when you get just partial fruit uh, or, or fruit that didn't come from the Lord, you may get a little bit of fulfillment, but it'll wear off and the Lord may not have got any fulfillment. So make sure that you're looking to the Lord to say, Lord, is this what you're saying in my life? It's God who works in you both to will, to want to, the desire, and to do for his good pleasure. The Lord is helping us with that. Remember Ephesians 2.10, it says this, we're created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. What are the good works? It's fruit. It's fruit that we should walk in them. So what happens if we don't walk in them? What happens if God prepared something for you? Have you ever had someone prepare a meal for you? Maybe a spouse, and they, you said, hey, I got a meal already for you, and they came home, and, or they didn't come home on time, and you said, man, it was ready, I prepared it, and you didn't come home and eat it. Well, they didn't bring fulfillment. It wasn't a good connection. The Lord is preparing things all the time for us to partake of and eat of and walk in, in them. What happens if we don't walk in them? Well, it says in, in uh, verse seven of John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. Or oh, excuse me, verse six, it says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and they're withered and they gather them, throw them into the fire and they're burned. <clears throat> excuse me. When you try to bear fruit on your own, you'll dry up. Think about it. When you try to bear fruit on your own, you'll dry up. When you try to bear fruit on your own, if you're under stress and worry and concern, maybe you're trying to do it on your own and the Lord says, why don't you do it through me? I promise it'll be better. It'll be easier. He says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what your desire. Somebody say this, it'll be done for me. Jesus said it'll be done for you. If you abide in him and his words abide in you, you'll ask what you will. And he says, by this my father's glorified that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. Let me say it again. Bearing fruit is our purpose. Bearing fruit in Jesus is your purpose. And you'll never find true fulfillment until you find fulfillment in following the path and the plan of the Lord and the things that he's prepared for you. It's what glorifies God and it's also what uh, brings fulfillment to you. I remember in in our first house, in uh, Anaheim, California, there was uh, a, a tree that needed to, it was growing up, but it was growing up kind of into, uh, we had a pool and we had a pool, um, um, like a heater and a, um, well, anyway, it's, it's the stuff that controls the pool. What's that called? 
Yeah, the pump, the filter, those things. But it was growing too close to it. And I remember I liked the tree, but I knew that it was affecting this over here and it was kind of going over on top of it and leaves were getting into it. So I went and I, I asked the gardener what to do and, uh, and he said, oh, if you just pull this out, you can do this, told me the steps. And I, I, I kind of did it on my own. I was proud of myself because I'm not normally a green thumb. I'm more of like a black thumb. And I took it, did the steps he told me to do and I, I, I moved it and I transplanted it over just about... Oh, I'd say about four feet over, okay? And I put it in, and the plant started to grow, and I was happy. I was like, that's great. And then I realized we got a lemon tree, and the lemon tree was in the wrong place too. You know, I don't know if you, if, you, if I see something that's a little bit, I, I want to go fix it and move it and make sure that's right. And I needed to move the lemon tree, and the gardener said to me, hey, um, uh, the lemon tree is going to be a little bit more in this climate. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. So here's what to do. And he told me all the steps of exactly what to do. You need to dig the hole. You need to make sure to do this and this. But there were, there were too many steps. I didn't have time for that. I ain't got time for that. And I said, besides, I've already transplanted a, a tree before. I know how to transplant trees. I've already done one. And it worked. And it's alive. And so I cut, I cut the steps out and I dug that lemon tree out and I dug another hole and I popped it in there and I watered it and I said, okay, it's going to grow. Do you know, in about two weeks, that thing was dry bone dead to where I had to actually transplant it to the trash can. And I went and asked the gardener about what happened. Did you do the steps in this? Oh no, I didn't need to do those steps. See, without his advice, I was just trying to do it the way I did it before. And that's why sometimes you assume you know how the next thing is going to turn out because the last time you did it, it worked. But Jesus just doesn't know about the past. He knows about the future. He knows about the different people that's in, in, the, in, in the, uh, the transaction. He knows about those different circumstances and the climate and how it all works. He knows that that tree is different than this other tree. So what do we need to do? We need to know that without him, we can do nothing. We can't do works unless he's prepared them beforehand, shown us how to do it, walked us step by step, and we follow through on those works. It just won't work. It won't bear fruit. When we find our life in Christ, I want you to say this. We find our person, say person, say our position, and say our purpose. It's those three things. Nate, why don't you come up and play? I want to I give you three simple things that will help you keep yourself in focus, and that's this. Number one, keep it simple. Number two, Keep an eternal perspective. And number three, keep your eyes on Jesus, not people. Number one, keep it simple. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse three says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve, so your minds would be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. One of the biggest ways the enemy can get you off course is to try to make living for Jesus too complex. It's just too hard. I don't know if I have what it takes. I started too late. I'm not ready. Let me tell you, serving Jesus is simple. It's as simple as a branch just staying connected to the, to the vine. Keep the simplicity in what you're doing. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus' body, church. Number two, keep an eternal perspective. Keep your eyes up. Even though you're doing natural things and we live in a natural world and we're with natural people all the time, we're natural. We live in that world all the time. Keep an eternal perspective. Keep your eyes up. Remember Colossians 3 says, if you were raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, 
Set your mind on things which are above. What does he mean? It means on a daily basis. And on a daily basis, stop, look up, and say, Lord, what are you doing today? What are you saying today? What is your plan for me? I know I already may have my, my plan mapped out today, but what do you have mapped out? Who am I going to come into cr- contact with? What do I need to be prepared for? Sometimes I'll wake up, and it's not in my Bible reading that I'll read, but, it's, uh, but it's, it's just a scripture that pops up in my heart, and I open up the Bible, and I'll read a different scripture, and I meditate on it a little bit. And later on, someone calls me, or I call them, and I'm in something, and, and that, that scripture was for them that day. But if I would have deviated and said, no, 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 I got to stick with just this. Now you stick with whatever the Lord tells you to stick with. You follow Jesus. Why? Because he's setting you up for success. He's setting you up to win, to bear fruit in him. Keep an eternal perspective. Paul said in Philippians, he said, for me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. If I live, I can do more fruitful work. That's my purpose. He's saying, if I'm going to stay on this earth, my purpose is to do more fruitful work for Christ. He says, but if I die, I get to be with Christ. Which one's better, going to heaven or get to do fruitful work? Notice one of the options wasn't living for me. It was either being with Christ or being with Christ on earth. But one of the options wasn't being with me because I died. I can only bear fruit here on earth. He says, I'm torn between the two desires because I long to go be with Christ, which is better for me but I'm convinced that I'll remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you. The reason and the purpose for our lives is to help other people. It's to love other people. If you had a fire in your house, you wouldn't run outside and save your own life and you notice that someone inside, they're they're stuck inside and the fire's in the house and you run inside to save them and when you run inside to save them, you run inside and go, oh man, I forgot to eat dinner from last night. And you sit down and eat dinner. Well, you, no, you wouldn't take care of you. You'd walk in to save them. Do you know that the reason why we're on earth and why we're here is to enjoy what God has given us, enjoy one another. I'm not saying there's not enjoyment in it, but I am saying it's to rescue other people. Rescue other people. And that's what we have to keep an eternal perspective in our lives. And then number three, keep your eyes on Jesus and not people. One of the biggest things that throws us off is not God. It's people. It's people. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul said this, if I were still trying to please men, I could not be Christ's servant. Let me tell you, if you're a man pleaser and you have a, a difficulty to please man, just you fight with it, you're probably going to have a difficulty in following Christ because you can't please people and God at the same time. Let me say it again. You cannot please, you can't please people all the time and God at the same time. You have to either walk and follow the Lord or you have to uh, try to please people. We can't be people pleasers. Colossians 1.27 says this, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mysteries of the Gentiles, which is, would you say this with me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. you do this with me? Would you just put your hand on your chest or somewhere on your body and just say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You're not just following after Christ. You're letting Christ live through you. You're letting Christ 
heal through you, be through you, speak through you, operate through you. He says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Elizabeth Elliot said, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different circumstance. Sometimes we think we're messed up because we're in the wrong environment. Maybe we're messed up because we're in, not in Christ. The answer is Christ in us. And whatever environment I get in, we're gonna win because Christ wins. So Hebrews 12, two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We don't truly find our life until we find our life in Jesus. Would you do this with me? I, I know ladies have makeup and such, but would you, would you put your hands on your eyes right now? Would you say, Lord, I keep my eyes on Jesus? Say it again, I keep my eyes on Jesus. Would you do this right now? Would you lift your head up and say, I keep my focus where Christ is because that's where I'm seated. Keep my focus. Would you put your hand over your heart and just say, my identity is in Christ. My person is in Christ. My position is in Christ. And my purpose is in Christ. And Father, I pray for every person in here today. I pray that you'd reveal yourself. Lord, I know that this isn't just some message. But this is something that Jesus is saying to us at Memphis Tabernacle this morning. He's saying, I want you to find the beautiful life that I've created for you. I want you to find your person, your position, and your purpose in me and not in yourself. In my work, not in your work. In my plan, not in your plan. Let's do this today. Would you just one more time just surrender and say, Jesus, I surrender to your plans and your purposes. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us this morning? I pray you'd speak clearly in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he loves you. Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth and died, lived a perfect life, died the death in our place and was raised again on the third day. And he said, whoever would call me Lord and believe in their heart, he said, I'll save you and give you eternal life. And I want us to say this together. If you believe it this morning, whether you've said it many times before or you're saying it for the very first time, can we say this together? Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I commit myself to follow you, to follow your plan and not mine. I confess you as my Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you that you forgive me from all of my sin and give me new life in Jesus. And every one of us said amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.